we own our lips, who is our master? Because of the oppression of the weak and the groaning of the needy, I will now arise, says the Lord. I will protect them from those who malign them. And the words of the Lord are flawless, like silver refined in a furnace of clay, purified seven times. O Lord, you will keep us safe and protect us from such people forever. The wicked freely strut about when what is vile is honoured among men. And the second reading is taken from 2 Thessalonians. Um, Beginning at, uh, so chapter 2, beginning at verse 16, and it's on page 1190. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. Finally, brothers, Pray for us that the message of the Lord may spread rapidly and be honoured, just as it was with you. And pray that we may, may be delivered from wicked and evil men, for not everyone has faith. But the Lord is faithful, and he will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. We have confidence in the Lord that you are doing and will continue to do the things we command. May the Lord direct your hearts into God's love and Christ's perseverance. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you very much, Alice. And please can we turn to Psalm 12 on page 548. And let me pray as we start. Heavenly Father, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart may be pleasing in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer, please, Lord, speak to us through your word tonight. Show us more of who you are and encourage us, challenge us and change us by your spirit, Lord. Amen. Sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. An old saying that, frankly, I think is a load of rubbish. Words can cause great hurt, great harm, and offence as well. Words have power. And like most things, they can be used for great good and also for great evil. Indeed, we know from Genesis 1 that God created the whole of his creation using words. Let there be light, let there be water, let there be creatures. Yet we only have to read as far as Genesis 2 to find Adam being deceived by words. Did God really say? Psalm 12 shows a great contrast between God's words on the one hand and the words of a fallen world on the other. And it poses the question, how do we live in this lying world? We're going to look at Psalm 12 in three sections, looking at where we are, what we hear, and how we get on. And there's some space for some notes on the back of the blue sheet Um, But the titles are slightly different because they're from John this morning. But it should be roughly the same sort of thing. Um, So firstly, where we are. A lying world. And this is in verses 1 to 4. A lying world. The writer, King David, starts by describing the world around him. So please look down at me at verse 1. Verse 1. Help, Lord, 
for the godly are no more, the faithful have vanished from among men. David paints a dark spiritual picture. The people of God are nowhere to be seen. It isn't clear exactly what David's situation was. He may well have been in Saul's court um, or on the run from his son Absalom. However, what is clear is that he feels alone and isolated. There were no other godly or faithful people around. They have vanished. Presumably there would have been some of God's people around, but they were scarce and they weren't obvious at all. But despite this, David wasn't despairing. He isn't fooling himself about how bad things are, but from the first word of this psalm, he's looking to God to change things and for help. And this isn't just the situation David was in. It also applies to us today. In 1851, there was a national census in England, and it found that about 50% of all the people in the UK attended church each week. And at that time, surprisingly, that was regarded as very low. But fast forward today, and we find that weekly church attendance in England is about 5%. So our great, 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 possibly another great grandparents would have been shocked to see church attendance fall by 90%. Statistics like that always slightly annoy me, though. The church isn't shrinking. Each day in this country, people are starting to follow Jesus, and God is adding to our number. God's kingdom is growing day by day. However, I suppose proportionately at least, God's people are vanishing from this country. When we look around this room, it might not feel like that, but perhaps we're the only Christian at work. We're the only Christian in our friendship group um, or in our sports team. We can be left to feel that all of God's people have vanished. And the faithful vanishing also suggests that God's people are merging into the world around them. Often God's people do exist, but they're not being faithful. They're invisible. And perhaps that's us. Perhaps our colleagues or friends that we've been mixing with for years wouldn't even know that we're a Christian. So this is a challenge to us to live godly lives, faithful lives, and not to blur in with everyone else around us. Verse 1 tells us what is lacking. Verse 2 tells us what there is, and that is lies. A whole society based on lies. Look down at verse 2, please. Everyone lies to his neighbour. Their flattering lips speak with deception. David's world is a world of lying, boasting, and deception. And this was not occasional, but it's widespread. Verse 2 says, everyone lies to his neighbour. Lying was the social norm. And this whole section centres on speech. Look on to verse 3. Flattering lips, a boastful tongue, our tongues, our lips. It's all about words. Words that don't acknowledge God. In fact, words that are set up against God. Verse 4, they are boasting, we will triumph with our tongues. We, will, we own our lips. Who is our master? The attitude of the ungodly is, we're God now. We win. We're in control. But the fact is, these lies are empty words. Derek Kidner says in his commentary, lies here are more accurately emptiness, a term which embraces falsehood, but also its fringe of the insincere and the irresponsible. Lies are words that have no content or substance. They're devoid of truth. And deception and flattery are similar. Speaking with deception is, is double talk, saying one thing but meaning another. And flattery is smooth talk, words that are pleasant to hear but have an agenda behind them. 
Like David's world, our world is a lying one. We run into lying in advertising, which is hardly surprising, I guess. One of Apple's iPhones was advertised as being twice as fast, half the price. But it turned out that neither of those claims were true. When consumers complained, Apple's lawyers were quoted as saying, no reasonable person could have reasonably relied on or misunderstood Apple's statements as claims of fact. Similarly, in Australia a couple of years ago, consumers complained when they noticed that Subway's foot-long sandwiches were in fact shorter than a foot. Subway responded, Subway foot-long is a registered trademark as a descriptive name for the sub sold in Subway restaurants and not intended to be a measurement of length. Now, these may be very trivial examples, but we're all well aware of lies and deception that pervade through all levels of our society. After the election this year, Liberal Democrat MP Alistair Carmichael admitted that he had ordered the leak of a document referring to a conversation between Nicholas Sturgeon and the French ambassador. And he did this after saying he had nothing to do with it at all. So Malcolm Bruce, who stood down as an MP at the election, was defending him on Radio 4 and was asked whether lying was widespread in public life. He said, no, well, yes, lots of people have told lies. You know that perfectly well. And he added, if you are suggesting every MP who has never told the truth or even told a brazen lie, including cabinet ministers, including prime ministers, we would clear out the House of Commons very fast. Also at work, many of us have been told to lie to cover something up or heard of colleagues submitting false expenses. The fact is, we live in a lying world. Sometimes these lies sound very like the arrogant triumphalism of verse 3. Listen to a spokesman for the National Secular Society. Church attendance has already been in decline for 60 years all over Britain, in all major denominations across all age groups, except the over 65s. Independent statisticians now have enough data to predict confidently that the decline will continue until Christianity becomes a minority sect of largely elderly people in little more than a generation. In this country, followers of Jesus don't usually get physically persecuted like our brothers and sisters in other parts of the world. However, in the UK, in the media, in legislation, in the workplace, and maybe with our friends, words are being used to oppress Christians today, sometimes very subtly, sometimes more overtly. Christians are getting eased to the edge of things, which can leave us feeling a bit like King David. Maybe we've started following Jesus recently, and we feel very alone. This experience of being marginalised and being alone on the edge of society is part of the normal Christian experience. It was the experience of King David in this psalm, and it has been the experience of God's people through all the centuries, throughout the centuries. And David provides an example here that encourages us to pray to God for help when we find ourselves in the same situation. These verses also point to our saviour, Jesus Christ, who on the cross was completely alone. He was oppressed by words. He was condemned by false testimony and a chanting crowd. He was mocked and spat on with a sign hung above his head, ridiculing him as the king of the Jews. God knows what it is to be alone and oppressed, as we might too. So that's where we are as Christians today. We're in a lying world where the godly have vanished. So secondly then, what do we hear? 
we hear a true word. This is looking at verse 5 and 6, a true word. Into this lying world, we hear God speak. Please look down with me at verse 5. Because of the oppression of the weak and the groaning of the needy, I will now arise, says the Lord. I will protect them from those who malign them. So here God is saying that he's heard David's cries for help and he's seen the oppression of his people and therefore he will protect his people. God loves the weak and the poor and hates when they're oppressed. We see this in Jesus Christ who spent much of his time with the outcasts of society like the sick and prostitutes. God hears the cries of the oppressed and God wants people to talk to him in prayer and God listens when people cry to him for help and in verse 5 God doesn't just listen he acts and speaks verse 5 I will protect them from those who malign them God's promise to David is that God will protect him David feels alone isolated oppressed but God will preserve and protect him in our New Testament reading in 2 Thessalonians it says Pray that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men, for not everyone has faith. But the Lord is faithful, and he will protect you from the evil one. God has protected people through the years, and will continue to do so. And this can give us great heart. Whatever situation we find ourselves in, however oppressed or lonely we may feel, we can hold on to the truth that God protects his people and his church. In St Michael's, in London, in the UK, in the world. He protects his church. I also think these verses are a great encouragement to pray. We can pray because God listens and because he acts. David prays, help Lord, and God hears his cry and speaks. Today, God sees and God hears the plight of the needy and the weak and of his church. And as we saw in Psalm 8 last week, God values us. What is man that you're mindful of him? God does care. God will protect us. However, if we've been a Christian for any amount of time, we will know there are times when this can be very hard to see. There are likely to be times when we will feel alone and oppressed like David is here. And perhaps that is our experience now. And so the challenge for us here is to trust God's promise of protection. And if you're here tonight and you haven't heard much about the God of the Bible, then I hope this has given you an insight into the God we worship. A God that doesn't just care about the strong and the successful, but a God that loves the poor and the weak. A God who listens to us, a God who cares for us, a God who speaks to us, and a God who will protect us shown ultimately by Jesus giving his life for us on the cross. What a wonderful God. This promise of protection is backed up by the writer of the psalm in verse 6. Look down on me, please. And the words of the Lord are flawless, like silver refined in a furnace of clay, purified seven times. God will protect his people, and his word is true. I wonder if that's a bit of a surprise for us today. We're so used to people breaking their word. Here's someone who never does that. God's words are certain and true, completely contrasting with the lies we saw earlier 
of the ungodly. God will relieve his people from their troubles. But when is that? How do we take the now in verse 5? I will now arise, says the Lord. This may not be immediate, as verse 7 and 8 seem to show. In verse 7 and 8, God preserves his people, but the wicked are still everywhere. The says in verse 5 could be translated, will say. So I would take it to be looking forward to the day when Jesus returns and will protect his people from final judgment. But in any event, it's clear that the emphasis is on the certainty of God's words rather than the immediacy. It's not immediate relief, it's certain relief. And this is something we need to trust, which can be very difficult when our natural instinct is to want God to act now. But did you see how the psalmist described God's words? Flawless, like silver refined in a furnace of clay and purified seven times. God's words are like silver, flawless, pure, solid. Imagine an amazing pure silver platter that you can see your reflection in, or the Champions League trophy maybe. Pure silver, without dross or defect. The psalmist is convinced that God's words are completely true, and there is no hint of impurity or lie. They are completely flawless, pure truth. God's words are also like silver in that they're solid. The words of the ungodly are empty, containing no truth. But God's words have substance and contain only truth. God's words protect, contrasting with the ungodly's lies that oppress. God is a speaking God and has spoken through the law, through the prophets, and in the word made flesh, Jesus Christ. And we have God's words in the Bible. We can trust and we should not doubt those words. The pure, certain, solid word of God can be trusted absolutely and always. We can completely rely on God's words. We can trust God will protect us. It may well be in the present that we go through some very hard times though. We might lose our job for being a Christian or get an awful disease like incurable cancer. These things don't mean that God isn't protecting us. His protection will only be seen fully in the new creation. We're in a lying world. We hear a true word. So what now? We have a present paradox in verse 7 and 8. A present paradox. Oppressed and alone, David cried out for help. God speaks and assures him. So how does he react? Verse 7 O Lord, you will keep us safe and protect us from such people forever. David is confident in God's eternal protection. Yet still, the situation around him hasn't changed. Verse 8. The wicked freely strut about when what is vile is honoured among men. David trusts that, that God will protect him. David has had his eyes lifted and his confidence reaffirmed. He knows God is good and God will protect him. Yet he's still alone. He's still surrounded by the wicked. There's no change from verses 1 to 4. He's still in a lying world. He's still surrounded by the wicked who strut around. They seem completely unaffected by God's words. God protects, but the godly prosper. Side by side, this paradox and this tension 
was what David faced then, and it's what we also face now. In legislation, in the media, down the pub, the wicked freely strut around, and it may seem that we're alone and oppressed. Yet still, the God of the Bible preserves his people, protects his people, and Jesus will one day return. I want us to fast forward 24 hours, and it's late on Monday afternoon. I wonder where we are. Maybe we're still at our desk, maybe we're at home, and we're feeling tired and alone. We feel surrounded by lies. Help, Lord, we pray. And we're reminded of God's words here. He will protect his people. We feel a renewed confidence. But we look up and nothing's changed. Our situation's still exactly the same. Does that mean that God doesn't protect us? No. God will protect, but the wicked still strut freely around. What about if we're feeling discouraged? We pray and pray and nothing seems to change. Our situation's just not improving. But he does hear our cries for help. Does God answer prayer? Yes, he does and he will. God will protect us from it forever. But the wicked still strut freely around. Our situation may not change, but we can have confidence, complete confidence in God's true words. And that's the challenge that this psalm leaves us with. To remember that while we're in a world of lies, we have a God of truth. We may feel alone and oppressed, but we have a God who speaks a true word. We must trust his word that he will protect us, even if our circumstances would cause us to doubt him. Let's pray. I'm going to start by praying the words of 2 Thessalonians 3. Verses 2 and 3. Father, we pray that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men, for not everyone has faith. But you, Lord, are faithful, and you will protect us from the evil one. Father, we pray particularly for those who are feeling alone or oppressed tonight. Please, Lord, would they know your comfort and your protection. And we pray for us all in this world, this world of lies, that you would help us trust you, Thank you that you and your word are true, that your word is pure and pure truth. And Lord, we pray that you'd help us to trust you in all situations. Amen.